And so we'll be in Mark chapter 10. Those are our passages right there. So if you open up your Bible, you'll be able to look at this. Uh, we've come to a certain scripture that stands out to me in, in the area of servantship. Uh, and as we look at the Gospel of Mark, I'm looking forward. I know we've got other studies coming, uh, a series in 1 Corinthians. I think that we will draw a lot of the text and a lot of things out of there. And um, I keep looking way down the road. But this lesson right here is going to um, tie in, and I plan on preaching on elders in two weeks on Sunday morning. And this very much ties into that. As far as leadership and what we are looking for from what Christ would tell us about leadership and what the Bible tells us as well. You ever been encouraged or embarrassed by how someone's imitated you? I think about my children. I know I said that, but you don't need to be going around saying exactly what I said in front of others. It usually has to, has to do with politics. You know, I don't think your kids, I mean, your friends need to be uh, knowing exactly what daddy thinks on certain issues. So, uh, but they do that, and uh, they, they imitate us. We know what that's like. Uh, sometimes it's encouraging. Um, when we come to our table on even tonight or when we come to eat, our children will sit there and they wait. And it's hard for me not to touch the food. And most of the time, they won't touch it at all until we've prayed. It's like, we've got to have a prayer. And so there are things like that that are a blessing that we can see in examples in our life and the imitation there that I, I think that are just wonderful. So uh, there are things that, you know, we think about our example and our imitation. Just think about others around you. Um, and I'm always looking to others. Uh, my whole life, I've always looked toward men who are older than me, who are examples in the faith, uh, no matter who, um, if they are showing that example. Uh, a lot of times, um, elders or sometimes men in the congregation who just lead, even though they might not be qualified to be elders, just by, their, by the way they live. And I think that's encouraging. I think that's something that's a good thing for us to do. The Bible tells us to look at the faith of others and to do that. So tonight we're going to be looking at the text. We'll start right here, Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. And we see Christ literally leading his disciples here, and he's on the road to Jerusalem. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, this is emphasized even more. You get to Luke chapter 9, and you see Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem. And for the next six months of his life, he's journeying in a very slow pace, evidently, six months, to get to Jerusalem on, the, on Passover, at Passover, where he will be crucified as our Passover lamb. And so I think that's it's an amazing thing to think about. And here we're able to get a picture of that right here. This is what we read. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. Notice a little bit of the leadership there, the implication of what's going to come after that. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. What are they amazed by? He's walking to Jerusalem. They know the persecution. They know the things that are ahead. They know the things that Jesus has been telling them. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be scourged and crucified, but in three days I will rise from the dead. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to put me to death. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. Here we are in Mark chapter 10, and Jesus is going to teach them the same. So they're afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. Yet they're also amazed by their leader. And there's something about a leader who's willing, who can do things that others can't do, and willing to show by the way that he lives how to do that. 
and the ability to follow them, to look at what they, they do. That, I think those things are amazing. So, and that's what the disciples are here. They're following Christ, amazed and afraid. And it says, And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going, what was to happen to him. He says, we See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Here's the point. He says, The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. That is, over to the nations, to the Romans to be more specific. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And so I hope that reading that, and especially reading about Jesus' resurrection, has even more meaning for us tonight uh, based on this morning's message. So again, Jesus determined to accomplish his mission. He knows what the mission is. He knows where he's going. He's leading the disciples. Uh, Where is his fear? He knows what he's going to do. And I find a great encouragement in that. I know I can follow Christ. Christ knows exactly where he's going, what he, and, and even now, that what he has accomplished and where he is leading us in his body, in his church, and in his kingdom. And I'm amazed by it. I stand in awe. And we learn a lot from Christ, his example. We see his service. We see his endurance of leadership. And I think, again, that causes many people to have fear today. I don't know if I can do that. And, and in certain parts of our Christian life, it's like that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to speak. I don't know if I'll ever be able to teach. I don't know if I'll ever be able to lead a prayer in front of somebody else. What if I was to initiate conversation with someone else about the gospel? And we can go down the list. And the things that we might think of that took a lot of courage for us, many of us, to do the first time. To live out and to follow the examples we have in Scripture and in those that are among us in the congregation. We see that in Jesus' leadership. And what we've just read about, we see Jesus literally leading the way, number one right there. Number two, he led the way himself toward his death. And number three, Jesus revealed how, again, godly leaders lead. Wonderful introduction to the idea and concept of leadership and exactly what Jesus is going to be teaching here. So whenever, and I think about this as well, whenever a Jewish messianic figure, when you're looking at Someone, especially Jesus saying the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, I'm going to go up and I'm going to die. Do you know what happened in the course of Judaism in uh, the centuries before this? People come along and said, maybe this guy over here, this guy is a Maccabee, and he has helped free uh, the Jews. He is going to be the Messiah. No, he dies. Another, one of his uh, sons rises up. One of the brothers rises up. And they think, oh, there's going to be a Messiah, but no, he dies. In Acts chapter 4, you read about these Messianic figures that have come on in Judaism who people thought, oh, this is going to be the Christ, but he dies. And what happens when the leader dies? Well, the hope of the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 is is that, well, since Jesus has died, this group of these believers that have been following Jesus, they're just going to disperse. They're no longer going to be in existence because that's what we've seen from all these so-called Christ and Messiahs who've come before. It's not the same with Jesus. And you have the Son of Man and the fact that He dies, but He also conquers death and rises again is a huge thing. But this is what we see. And I wonder what the disciples are thinking. Jesus says the Son of Man is going to die. How can He then be the Son of Man? How can He still be the Christ? What did His followers do with that? I think a little bit further here about the setting. 
for which Jesus taught about the, teaches about the greatness of being a servant. Uh, we see this, number one, Jesus warned uh, his fearful disciples what was coming. Uh, secondly, we see the disciples are afraid and again, not really ready to endure or know if they can endure. In fact, we see them even scattering when Jesus is arrested. So we see some of those weaknesses within them. And we might be second-guessing ourselves. I just am a fearful person. And I feel that way. There are some circumstances and talking to certain people that um, I feel afraid. I had um, earlier this week, somebody called the church phone here and said, I used to be a member of the church. I like to hear more about the church at Thomasville. And so I got on my phone and I got on the church phone and tried to contact him two or three times. And finally I did. And his response back to me was, in profanity, leave me alone. And sometimes people react that way very harshly. And I've seen it and had it in my face. Didn't, I didn't do anything. I'm just trying to be kind and nice and help someone to come to Christ. And sometimes you get that reaction. And I'm just, that's something I struggle with. I don't like rejection. I don't like that kind of a thing. But when I see it in Christ, I see him enduring mocking and the insults and everything he did on my behalf to be crucified, to endure what he had to go through. I need to take courage in that and learn from it. So what we see in Christ and we see it in the disciples and we see it throughout the Bible is sacrificial leadership. Do we need that in the church today? We need men who are servants, who are willing to give up their Saturdays and Sundays and afternoons to to visit, to go the extra mile, to do the things that need to be done, to take care of things and even in matters of discipline within the body and the church, to do the extra study. That's what the church needs. And you need to thank God when you have leaders like that, when you can look in those around you, even within your own family, and see that example. And we need to pray for them. We need to be praying for our elders here. Always pray. Because of the things that they have to endure, the things that they do for us. I, I've been here almost three months now, and I've seen it. I've seen the work. I've seen the dedication, the commitment. And not just from them, just also from natural leaders within the congregation. Are we able to follow and do the same as Christ and what he taught? So we're going to get right down and get into some of the meat of the text now. If you have your Bible, let's look it over in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Let's look at verses 35 to 41. And so we have Jesus, we have him leading, we've got the context we've read before, and I don't know what some people might do with this, but it looks like James and John are wanting to lead. And you see that, you see that in the way that they speak. And listen to this, it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want, to do, want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those 
for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard it, they became, began to be indignant at James and John. If you continue reading there, which we will in a second, you see that Jesus calls the disciples to himself to address this. What do you think about this? I see the eagerness of James and John. I think it's a good thing. You see a little bit of their misunderstanding. You see Christ saying, yes, uh, and, and I see him saying, the cup that I'm going to drink, the baptism by which I'm going to be baptized, is his death and his suffering. And that here James and John are going to have a part in that suffering. James, specifically being a martyr, is going to die. Are they ready for that? And I think we might be reflecting on these scriptures tonight and say, I, I look at the disciples, they don't look very ready. Here they are on the path, it looks like there's six months until Christ is going to die and then rise from the dead. Are they going to be ready? And when we get to Acts chapter 2, we see they are. We see they are ready. And sometimes we might be thinking, I'm not quite ready to take on that role. I'm not where I need to be. Um. There's certain things in times of my life where I thought, I am not ready for this. And I was closer than I knew I was. God knew it. I didn't. And when it was placed on me, I, I, I learned to endure and to rely on Him. I hope that we do the same. I hope that we don't limit ourselves on what we as Christians have responsibility to do. The wonderful things that we can do and the way that we can lead in our example. And I think it's a wonderful thing, as we talked about a few weeks ago on evangelism on Sunday morning, we want our light to shine so other people will glorify God. Let's do that. Not that we want the show and the praise of other men, but we still need to set that example. We see it right here. Now, I want you to listen to this. Uh, this passage right here in Mark chapter 10, 42 to 45, would be such a blessing to the churches of Christ. If anybody who took on the role of being a leader or thinking that they're a leader because there's some people that think they're a leader and end up being, being very destructive or false teachers within the church. If we would just listen to Christ right here, this is the picture of leadership he has uh, for his disciples, that is for his church, for his kingdom. What is it? Let's read it right here. Verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and he said to him, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Greek word for Gentiles, ethnoi, could be translated nations. The rulers of the nations lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Well, if you've done your taxes recently, you might feel that way. Verse 43, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So it's not declaring and saying, God, give me this position. God, give me the next thing. It's taking on the role of a servant. Verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. So you've got two different words here. I'm going to comment real quickly. The word for servant in the Greek right here is diakonos. Where we get the word deacon? It means an official minister. The other word here that's, often, that's translated slave here is doulos which means a bondservant, someone on a lower level who's serving and often would be a slave or someone in contract to service. And he says, this is what you need to be doing for one another, serving. 
Verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So Christ sets the example. He shows us His whole life, everything that we've been able to look at tonight. I've been looking over this and studying it this week, and I feel like in some ways I'm just scratching the surface of this text. So if you see any more tonight that I missed, please bring it out to me. But this is what we see here again in Mark 10. These are my observations. Make your own. Uh, I encourage you to do this. So the rulers of the nations lord over. They're exercising authority. We don't want that. And we might be thinking, what does that look like when, it be- when it's in the church, when it becomes destructive, when it becomes hurtful? I think that's something to think about because it does happen. It, it happens from elders, and, um, and it can happen from other people in the church who think too highly of themselves. Uh, Leaders among Christ's disciples, we see very clearly tonight, must serve. That's what he wants from us, to be a minister, to be a bondservant. That is what we need to be great and to be first in his kingdom. And uh, we see again, Christ is the ultimate example. A very simple message, but just seeing it tonight and just reading it doesn't seem to stick very well, does it? Have you ever been in a congregation with controversy and with trials or endure to split, you know that there, there are things like this that go on. Or someone is teaching wrong or leading in a way that is not, it's not really leadership at all. They're just ruling over, exercising, trying to exercise authority over others. I'm going to show another scripture, we share you, another scripture with you in a minute that demonstrates this. But leadership, and again, um, it doesn't look like the rulers of the nations, okay? And that needs to be understood. I can't look at the president, or I can't look at the Supreme Court and say, let's see the way they're ruling? That's what we need in the church. Christ is the king and the head of the church. His words are what directs and leads the church. He is the head of the body. It is his words that guide us. He is the chief shepherd. And although he is chief shepherd, he has put in our congregation specific leaders. And here's one on elders. They are to shepherd the flock. And so this passage, when I read Mark 10, every time I read Mark 10 and other passages parallel in the Gospels of Jesus saying, this is what leadership looks like, this is the passage that comes to my mind. And there's so much that goes on within 1 Peter about the persecution that's going on and the oppression of the government that's even mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is what stands out. And when I see this, I'm saying, yes, I love this kind of leadership. I love this leadership. This is what the Bible calls for elders to be doing. And I, I think every one of us would agree, agree in here. The kind of leadership that I follow is, is a natural one. The one who sets the example. The one who leads the way. So 1 Peter chapter 5, 1-3 says, Paul, Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He says, shepherd the flock of God. That word for shepherd could be translated pastor. It's the elders who are the pastors of the church. I am not a pastor, not qualified, not old enough, and I think I need to have some baptized children first. I don't see myself as being that way. But a lot of people, when they look at a minister in the church, they think, oh, he's a pastor. And it strikes me in some churches and denominations will call pastors. That is not my role because I I am teaching. But we need shepherds in the church. And and I have a, 
as a Christian and a prayerful Christian reflecting on the church, we need this. I desire it deep within my heart that we have men who are able to lead like this, who will shepherd the flock. They will pastor the flock. They will guide the sheep and where they need to go. They will protect them from false teaching. That is a part of what elders do. It says also exercising oversight. They look after them. And they don't do it out of compulsion. This is not under compulsion. But willingly, they want to do it. As God would have you. You do it the way God wants you to do it. He says not for shameful gain. And if you go to 1 Timothy 5, you see that some of the elders, especially back then, were paid. You know, they did it full time. He says not for shameful gain. He says, but eagerly. And he says, not domineering over those in your charge. There's the idea that you see from Christ from Mark chapter 10. They don't domineer over the flock that are, those are in charge, but being examples to the flock. And that's where it begins. And the congregation we, we realize as Christians within the, within the church and following the elders that somebody's going to have to decide when it comes to opinions. And I will give over my opinions any day to faithful elders in the church. I know um, men within our brotherhood, and we've got to be willing to do that, to submit and follow to their lead. And at the same time, we see here what kind of example they would be. Servants, not domineering, but examples to the body, showing us the way to go. And again, that's just, I think it's natural. Wherever I'm working, and all my experience and all th throughout my life, whether I'm in school or uh, I've had a, a number of jobs before I became a minister. You, you had different bosses. Everybody in here, we've probably experienced that. You have bosses where some will just sit in their office and tell you what to do, and, and others will get up and help you and lead and be taking and starting initiating new things. And as they're initiating new things, they're passing it out to everybody else to join in and have a part of it as they're, as they're moving forward. That's wonderful. That's encouraging. Um, in the workplace, and it's certainly in the church. We need that servant leadership. Very easy to follow when we see it. And then to Im imitate also those leadership qualities that we see in the Bible and see in the Scriptures. Um, when you read the description of elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, when I read it, I was like, that's the kind of man that I look up to. That's the man I can follow and I'm willing to give over my opinions and my judgments to follow someone who wants to follow Christ and who does so with all of his heart and with all of his mind. And that he loves God in that way. Thank God for that. Before we finish tonight, look at these two scriptures here. If you start with one to the other, you might have different um, ideas of who the leaders are being mentioned here. But it is within our brotherhood and the consensus is mostly that this, these leaders are thought to be specifically elders so in hebrews 13 and verse 7 it says remember your leaders um, and the greek here is the idea of remembering them in the sense of esteeming them highly those who spoke to you the word of god consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith that's what we want also we see in hebrews 13 and verse 17 obey your leaders submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls over your lives as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And as a minister and serving within the church for 13, 14 years now, I love it when my elders have joy 
and they enjoy doing their work. But I've also seen elders who have wept and have groaned and have gone through tough times. And we need to be praying for them and making sure that we're not a part of that. May God help us to be models of service and obedience tonight. We've seen it in Christ. We've seen it in His way. And we see it in the description of elders and the leaders that are in the church. And I hope tonight that we take from this and we think about it. And God, help me to repent. Help me to live in a way that I can glorify Jesus and be the example that the rest of the church needs as well. God, help me to be a servant. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to put on Christ in baptism. It is in baptism that your sins are washed away. When um, Paul came to the faith, and Ananias said to him in Acts 22 and, six, 22 and verse 16, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you need to repent and make things right, you consider the words of Christ tonight. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ loves you, God loves you, and we love you. Whatever your needs are tonight, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing.